Hagar. Good day. It's a good day to be alive. Amen. Everybody doing well today? What a time of worship, huh? So good. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord right now. Can we just turn our affection toward Him? You know, it's easy to get in a routine. But I tell you, the minute I just started talking and I just feel the presence of God come. And uh, Lord, we recognize you. We recognize you. You are not a, you're not a wind or just an added feeling to our gathering. You are the point. You are the reason. You are, you are everything. You are all in all. And uh, we're not going to talk about you like you're not here. We're going to look right at you and just acknowledge, wow, thank you for your mighty presence, God. We thank you for your love and your power in our midst today. God, we thank you that uh, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence, miracles happen. Restorations happen. Healing of bodies happen. And anything can happen in your presence. And we acknowledge that today. And we honor you in Jesus' name. We ask for your help. Amen. 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 We thank you for your spirit of wisdom. thought I was done. We thank you for your, your spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Amen. That's amazing. You know, that's a reality when we get together. And... Um, um, Thank you. Are you? Oh, yeah. I can feel the sound improving. Thank you. He's working on it. What a good man. Can we just give him a hand back there? Always faithfully just serving and uh, adjusting to a new lapel. So I think they're finding the, the settings. And um, But, uh, you know, that's the reality when we get together. The presence of God. And, um, and the Holy Spirit brings revelation. So it isn't just it, it isn't just what you read; it's what God tells you about what you read, and um, and it's not even it's not even always what you hear, but it's the unfolding of the understanding that happens inside of you, in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, when the spirit of wisdom and revelation is working. And so, I always want to. Um, I just welcome that. You know, Paul prayed for that. He said, I pray that a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him would be poured out upon you. And I think it's one of the greatest gifts um, that anybody can have is a revelation of, of God. So, Amen. Don and Kendra, welcome. Good to see you guys today. Those are our friends, Don and Kendra Cushman from, from Reading. You guys want to give them a hand? There you go. Anyway, uh, Amy, my, Amy um, has worked with Kendra for quite some time, a friend and an intercessor, and uh, and we know Don. Well, Amy's also worked with Don. He's choir director and does lots of things at Christian School. So, um, yay, fun. Um, let's see. I have a, before the message today, there's just a couple things we wanted to. Um, a couple things I wanted to mention. Uh, one is. You may have noticed my wife, Amy's not with us this morning. She planned to be last night. She's had a bit of a rough go the last few days. I know she wouldn't mind me telling you, um, but uh, she had this uh, 
kidney stone thing getting to her. And, oh, it's brutal. And so thankfully that didn't last too long, but then she lost her granddad yesterday. And it was, it was pretty sudden. It was her last living uh, uh, grandparent and her closest, mostly kind of, yeah, I'd definitely say it was, it was like her closest. So, so anyway, she thought she was going to come today, but woke up this morning just still super sad. And she's just taking the day to rest at home, which I encourage. So if you've got her contact, I know that a, a word of encouragement is always welcome. She loves that. And uh, most of all, your prayers. So thank you so much. And um, also just want to mention that we, um, that we uh, have recently lost. I, I only met this man briefly, um, talked to him a couple of times. But a man who I guess was uh, a regular here at Mountain Chapel, his name's Ed Marino. How many knew Ed? Well, yeah, a lot of hands are going up. Ed has passed on to glory. Um, and uh, what stands out about Ed to me in the short amount of time, like I just met him, you know, and had a few conversations. But here to me was a hero that it was quick to see, a hero of the faith. And um, so we just want to honor him today, honor his memory, maybe... His uh, son's name is also Ed, and um, and so uh, praying for them, comfort, the comfort of the Holy Spirit for the family. Um, but I met Ed back here, right I think right behind where uh, Rich and Linda are sitting, and um, and uh, what I noticed about him is he had one, he had a Smith Wigglesworth Bible, and we and I said, oh, you have a Smith Wigglesworth Bible. We instantly began to connect. And uh, he loved revival. He loved the, he loved miracles, and, um, and he loved the Lord. And uh, I thought this is quite telling, I think. Um, but uh, I guess Shelley was sharing that she talked to, uh, she spoke with Ed Jr. this week, and um, and uh, Ed Sr. Before he passed, he went down. I think it was to Southern California to spend the. He spent one month down there before he passed on. He was ill. And um, went pretty quickly. And um, but he, it was almost a slight lament. It sounded like that he had only led one person to the Lord that year. And um, but but within that month that he got down there, he led seven people to the Lord before he passed on. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Bringing in the harvest all the way to the end, you know. And um, what a champion! And you just have to honor that hunger, you know, because the, when, I, when I see that, when I see a person uh, whose life is a testimony like that, um, I look and I, I just, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you look at somebody and you just, you learn just by looking. You know, you might not know what you're learning or what, it's not an antidote or a little saying that you remember. It's that you just take note of somebody's life and that there are several people in, in in my life that when I watch them, I just always feel like I'm learning just by looking at them. And I can't describe what it is always that I'm learning or absorbing, but I just look at some people and go, I just feel like I'm learning by watching you, watching you live, watching you talk, watching you, the way you love the Lord and the way you you, um, live your life. And so uh, we honor Ed and his memory and you know, why don't we just, God, we just thank you for Ed. We thank you that he's having the best party of ever, of all right now. And um, 
And uh, we do thank you for that legacy, that example. And, um, and I thank you for that grace, Lord, uh, in Jesus' name, to walk in those things, to be fishers of men, to have a passion for what you're doing all the days of our life, and that that fire would grow hotter as we live in Jesus' name. We pray for your comfort in the family. Amen. Amen. So, uh, awesome. Hey, Barry, uh, Barry's got something to share before we get into the message. You come on up. Would you give Barry a hand? doing out there, boys and girls. <laughs> I'm fine. Um, what I, I, this is a devotional that we have out in the uh, information center coffee area, and uh, it comes out every three months, and it's set up to the, <clears throat> to the days of the week. So today is Sunday, September 23rd. So they're about a paragraph long, and they're always you know, on target, and sometimes they really hit you, and sometimes they're, you know, they're just, you know, something to eat during the morning with your coffee and cookie. So, I'd like to read it, because it's got some really powerful things here. It'll take a moment or two. Um, It's called, excuse me, I Catch No Glimpse of Him, is the basic, um, the scripture that's being quoted in Job 23, 8, 9, and 10. And, um, the other title, subtitle is Trust God's Unchanging Character. So to quote, it says, Sometimes you will not sense God's presence. Those are difficult times in the midst of trouble. Job said, I go to the east and he's not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work at the north, I don't see him. When he turns to the south, I can't catch a glimpse of him. Job felt far from God, yet in spite of his inability to feel God, he resolved, he knows the way I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Difficult days demand decisions of faith. David said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. That's in Psalms 56.3. When you can't understand the ways of God... Trust in the unchanging and loving character of God. Go through your Bible and make a list of character qualities of God and keep them on hand for tough days. Here's what I really want to get to. One author writes, my list reads like this. He is still sovereign. He still knows my name. Angels still respond to his call. The hearts of rulers stand Hearts of rulers still yield to his bidding. The death of Jesus still saves souls. The spirit of God still indwells saints. Heaven is still only heartbeats away. The grave is still temporary housing. God is still faithful. He is not caught off guard. He uses everything for his glory and my ultimate good. He uses tragedy to accomplish his will. And his will is right, holy and perfect. Sorrow may may come in the night, but joy comes in the morning. So in changing times, stand confidently 
on the unchanging character of God. So those are faith confessions. You know, this man put it in his own writing. Um, And yet I encourage you to do the same thing. It's like behind us is Weaver Bali. And when it's raining and there's clouds and fog, you can't see it. But we don't doubt it. Weaver Bali is not moving. That's a good one. (laughs) And so God's for us, not against us. And he's given us all kinds of tools to go after the thing that's hounding us or hurting us or... You know, um, though he may slay me, I still praise him. So, uh, thank you, Barry. These are out in the lobby, and they're a dollar fifty, and they come out for three months at a time. And we're in uh, this is um, September, October, November. So, does this sound okay? Should I should I switch? Do I sound a little like I'm in a can? Does it sound like that to you guys? No, is it fine? Okay, great. If you're good, I'm good. So, yay, God. My ears are just adjusting, a new sound. So, Well, listen, today I want to talk about uh, agreement. Agreement with God. And uh, coming up soon here on October 7th, uh, we are launching our Presence Night, our Sunday Night Presence Night. Call it presence. Yay, God. You can cheer for that. Go ahead. Yeah. And uh, the focus of that night really will just be to make room for God. We're going to come together. We're going to worship and um, and make room. You know, we, we were calling it a prayer meeting. And in the, that is, uh, that's an accurate name. It's a prayer meeting, but maybe not prayer like like we're always used to. Amen. There's many forms of prayer. And um, many forms of intercession. And I think, uh, honestly, I think one of the most powerful forms of prayer is, uh, has to do with what we're talking about this morning, which is agreement and oneness and abiding prayer. And uh, do you realize that, you know, prayer, Paul said, I pray continually. I pray without ceasing. And, and if you think about, then how did Paul do that? Because sometimes Paul was preaching, so clearly he wasn't praying. If praying is get down on your knees by your bed and, you know, do this, like, you know, you have to have the hands like this, and um, like the paintings, <laughs> I like to have a little fun. So, but, uh, but um, it, you know, if prayer looks like that, or you have to go in your closet, or you have to shout up to the heavens, at, you know, or whatever it may be, then clearly Paul could not have been praying continually because sometimes he was uh, eating and he was human, you know, and so sometimes he was talking with people and sometimes he was writing the epistles and he was preaching the gospel and yet he said, I pray without stopping. And so when you really begin to think about what it means to pray without ceasing, it must mean more than what many of us uh, over the years have thought prayer is. And I've got a value for um, petitioning prayer, right? James says, you have not because you ask not. And so there is asking prayer. There is, there is times when the Lord, you go, well, why don't I have this? And the Lord's like, because you haven't asked me for it. I'm waiting for you to ask, right? And um, it's like, you know, it's like you do with your kids, right? I'm hungry. Okay. What, what do you need? 
You know, I like to teach my kids to ask so that they don't develop a habit of just dropping anonymous hints out there for people to interpret and meet their needs in the world. The world doesn't work that way, you know, and, and, and when it does, it's, I don't think it's the best. And, and so, uh, and so God, I believe in that kind of prayer where we ask specifically. Um, however, I do believe that that kind of prayer even works best once we've just done, had a little bit of time with him, in his presence, with our ear on his chest, hearing his heartbeat. What are you thinking about, God? Because you know what I've found? I can be asking about lots of things, and at the end of the day, God might answer those prayers, and they might not, they may not be exactly what I really need. Amen? But it's, the Bible says when you delight yourself, in the Lord, then He gives you all the desires of your heart. So the first step is delight. Isn't that awesome? It's not. You mean it's not like I have to check off my 25 minutes of prayer every day and fulfill my Christian duty? No, it's delight. And uh, and so we're talking about oneness and um, and abiding with Him. God's looking for agreement. Let's turn to John chapter 8 today, and we're, we're going to just look up that verse, and I may reference a few others today, but we're going to read out of John. Uh, John 8. And I love this, I love this verse. And so Jesus said uh, in verse 28, he said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Oh, as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. You know, one of Jesus' prayers was that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And not just that you and I would be one, right? Not just that you and I would be one and that he and the Father would be one and that so there would be something that sort of looks like the connection that he and the Father share right uh, here on earth where you and I are just one but not that but he said but that but that that they would be in us it was he wrapped it all up and, and pretty soon by the end of the, by the end of by the end of that time he's saying that, okay so father you're in me and I'm in you and we're one I pray that I pray that they would be one as we are one that we'd be in them that they'd be in us and and by the end of the day what you're talking about is Oneness with God. Well, it's a great concept, right? But what does it look like? What does it look like? How how do we live that out? You know, and and I I know for me, I'm thankful that I grew up in church and and for the foundation that I was given. And uh, sometimes when you when you come to know God for yourself, you get to the point where you're sorting out sometimes the heritage, the inheritance you've been given. And then also you realize 
somewhat in what's been given to me is a little bit of duty and religious stuff that came along with it. And nobody meant that. Nobody, no, you know, it wasn't a dirty trick. It wasn't an evil thing that was done. You know, it's just that you only give out what you have. You cannot give what you don't have. And so, so whatever we're living, whatever our reality is, that's what we're passing on to the next generation. Right? So how many know you, you can, uh, you, you could, you can teach something, but there's something more powerful that happens. That there, it's called impartation. And, and when you teach what you live, then there's something that happens, and it's substance. It's an impartation. In other words, you can hear a message, and you can say that's a good message, but sometimes you hear a message, and then you became the message afterwards because there was a life behind the message. And that's what you and I are to the world wherever we go. And, and so really, and, and, and truthfully, the, the fruit that we see in our life on, uh, from day to day, in other words, like uh, people, you know, being a light in the world, people coming to Jesus, uh, people getting healed, people, just things happening, breakthrough in our life, it's all related, it all comes back to abiding, abiding in Him. It's really about oneness. So it's not about memorizing a Christian principle, but it is about a relationship with living God. Right? And how many have heard that all their lives? But I tell you, when you taste it, you know it's, you know. Right? And when you hear it, you think that might, that's interesting. But when you've tasted it, you know. And, um, and uh, you know, there's a form of intercession, actually, that happens and do you realize that you and I are actually a form of living, walking, breathing intercession? You know, the Bible says that Jesus you know, is sitting at the right hand of God and that he ever lives to make intercession for us. Now, that's interesting to me and powerful to think that Jesus, the Son of God, is interceding for me. Well, I mean, when Jesus is praying for you, that's a good day. You know, because I'm pretty sure he gets his prayers answered. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, it, it says, uh, there's a verse that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And it's a peculiar statement, is it? isn't it, really? And, and if you haven't grown up in church, you think, what would that mean? And if you have, you'd probably think the same thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. He's one. God is one. And it, you know, it could say, and it does say, but it could say in that verse, there's only one God. But it says, God is one. And I think that's powerful because if you understand the way God reveals himself, it is in stages. It is in depth. There are depths of God that you and I are still discovering and frankly will be discovering for eternity. You know, what's, you know what is amazing? I just get so excited when I realize that, that someday, far off, when I am in heaven, that if you think revelation is powerful now, you're going to, be having, you're going to have an eternity of revelation like you never could imagine. 
And you imagine the one that you're having revelation of is infinite. So he could literally be revealing himself to you at the speed of light. And it could and it would never slow down and he would never run out of aspects of his nature that he could be re- revealed to you. Is that is that <laughs> I'm just going to lay down. <laughs> and this is, this is what we're invited to as children of God, right? Is to gaze at God and have our minds blown. This really is the best part of the Christian life. To gaze at God and have our minds blown. Alan Hood said, He loves to fascinate those who are created in His image. And the, I think often the problem is, is that we're trying to understand God, but he says, you, you'll never, you'll have understanding, but you'll never wrap your head around me. I have not called you to fully understand me. I've called you to be fascinated by me. <laughs> that, that sounds a lot more fun to me than having a nice little box with a label. Let me tell you about God. <laughs> so this this presence night that we're starting, you know, I really felt coming up on our journey here. I was just reading the letter that I wrote um, to Mountain Chapel before the vote and everything, and I wrote a letter to y'all, and it was read aloud. I don't know who all was here for that. Maybe I'll reread it at some point, uh, but just in case you missed it. Um, but it's just part of the journey, and and one of the things I uh, I wrote in there was really just a conversation I had with the Lord that I said, God, what do you think about Weaverville? What do you think about Mountain Chapel? Not what does he think about Mountain Chapel. I know he thinks he loves Mountain Chapel, but what does he think about us coming here? And um, and immediately a response rose up in my own heart. You ever have God speak to you through your own heart? Often we just hear a word of the Lord, but I asked a question and something just came up like a spring in my heart. And I and I and I was sitting in the driveway. I just pulled in and I said, "Okay, if you're calling up, if you're calling us up there, I don't want to go without covering. I don't want to go without connection, and I don't want to go without a move of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to be a broken record on this thing, in a good way. Um, it's not a broken record, but I can't change the subject, if you will. And um, and so this." And I thought, okay, well, what's happening up there, you know? Because I thought, what would I be handed? What would be handed to me to steward? So I began to find out what was happening, and, and as far as services and ministries and things like that. And um, and then I just determined again right away, talk, just talking with the Lord about it. I thought, you know, I don't feel called to start start a bunch of services, you know. And um, and but I thought, but I did feel strongly, but I. I will want to start a prayer meeting. And I felt that was the Lord leading us to do that. And as we looked to Him for how, uh, what was on His heart about it, um, we, I, I really felt a presence night. It's a, it's a night to be in the presence. Because the best kind of prayer comes when we enjoy God together. Ah. And, and, God, and God doesn't really need us to, like, you know, turn the cranks and, and pull the cords, you know, of, of heaven and, try to get things happening because God's happening. 
God's never dormant. God is never dormant. God is always moving. He's always been moving. He's never stopped. He, you know, He created everything. He never stopped moving. He poured out His Spirit at Pentecost. Pentecost never stopped. There's always been a move of the Spirit somewhere on the planet. And um, I call it the original flame. And if, I think if you could imagine this, because it's easy when you read history, but you, you often only read history in your own like country's history or your own view of the people that you know about, but there's an entire world full of tribes you've never known of and, and, and etc. And if you could imagine that the fire of God came at Pentecost and then that flame just began to burn around the world. And maybe, maybe there were places on the planet where that fire was not visible, but one thing's for sure, God is that fire and He never stopped burning because God is a consuming fire. God lives, God is a fire and he, he cannot cease to exist. And so, so it's not about trying to get God to do something. It's about resting in the fact that he did something already, that he has made himself fully available and poured out his spirit and that the times have not changed, that, that the spirit of God is ever-present and ever-available, and God is still doing what He's doing, right? He said, the harvest is ripe. He said that over 2,000 years ago, and I've never read anything since where He said, hold on, guys, it's not ripe for a little while. The harvest has always been ripe, but in our day, in our time, we are seeing that the harvest is ripe, and that God is bringing people, that people are coming to Jesus. There's a, uh, a huge gathering in Portland that's been happening the last few days. And, um, you know, we can go on about that. But I want to talk to you about the best part. And, um, you know, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, didn't she? And I think one thing, and, and so just casting some vision for this presence night, we're going to come together, there'll be worship bands, we're going to come together, we're going to worship together, and we're going to make room. We're going to follow the Lord. So um, the meeting will be led, but it will be led with eyes on Jesus, eyes on the Holy Spirit. God, what are you doing in our midst? And, um, and uh, I'd love to see everybody there. And uh, if you can't come every week, then come when you can. And um, Because I have found that, uh, you know, we used to beg God to do things. I did. I, I you know, prayer, contending prayer. And I, you know what I love about the Lord is that He hears those prayers and still answers them. You know, He's like, you're working way harder than you need to, but I still hear your prayer. Yeah, I mean, you're wearing yourself out, but, but I still answer prayer. And, um, but the best, I, I find that when we rest in Him, because faith rests. And this is why, you know, I remember when soaking, you guys heard of soaking, right? Soaking's old news now. It's old news, but it's still new. And I, and I remember when people started talking about soaking, some people had like a, a you'd hear, well, what's this soaking business, you know? And really, anytime there's something new, we kind of get our feathers ruffled, don't we? It's a kind of, some humans are kind of like that. You know, it's like, well, I never heard of it. It must not exist, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, but uh, you know what I love about soaking is that I learned, I had so much religion connected to my prayer life. I, my prayer life was not motivated by religion. It was motivated by my love and passion for the Lord and a thankfulness that He saved me and filled me with His Spirit. But, but 
But I found that I would be hard on myself about things. Like, if I got up to pray and then I dozed off, I'd be like, oh, man, I'd be like kicking myself about it, you know? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, Sharon's waving her hand. And, uh, and anybody else ever got that thing on them? And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, man, if I really loved the Lord, I wouldn't be falling asleep while I was praying, you know? And, uh, you know, God's probably a little just... I know he loves me, but he's just a little irritated because I fell asleep when I was praying. And, um, and uh, you know, and I tell you, I got so free when I, I just decided that I would not entertain that thing anymore. And it's a spirit of condemnation. And the Bible says there isn't one for us because there's a better law. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So I changed everything. So when I, when I began to soak, sometimes I would soak and fall asleep. And we call it sloking. Yes, Reuben's giving me an amen. Love sloking. And, and you know what? And, and it, before if I was doing that and I woke up, it was kind of like, oh, I ruined it. I ruined the prayer time. You know, that one didn't count. You know, God, and God's like list of like, let's see how many times Brandon's praying this week. Okay, he's in the green this week. Not too bad. I love you this week more than ever. But, uh, and uh, you really earned my love, son. And uh, no, <laughs> we're laughing about that. You can't earn God's love. And, um, and so, uh, and so it, it shifted to, you know, uh, if I fell asleep when I was praying when I woke up, I'd just keep praying. And I'd thank him for the rest. Yay, God. There is no condemnation. None. None at all. And you know what I found is when there's something that God wants to adjust in my life, He speaks to me. He corrects me. And I love it. It feels like love. It doesn't feel like I'm failing in my Christian walk. It feels like my Father's calling me close. Amen. So if you haven't done that yet, I just, I just encourage you to just break up with the spirit of condemnation and refuse to have any relationship with it at all. And instead, we don't want to get confused, you know. I mean, there is conviction. The Holy Spirit does convict us in our life and lead us. But it's always to lead us closer uh, to Him in, in our intimacy with God. Amen. But you know what? God is looking not for people to do Christian calisthenics. Um, but, but, but He's looking for people who will be one with Him. Who will enjoy intimacy with Him. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you're, when you're looking for a mate in life, you know what, you're not going like, who's going to do all the chores? Maybe you, maybe you, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> who's going to do all the, the chores for me, you know, or who's going to, it's like, no, you're looking for companionship. And this is what the church is. The church is the eternal companion of the Son. Ultimately, what God is doing in this age is that He is raising up the bride for his son. And and that he is raising up for Jesus an eternal companion who will sit with him on the throne of the universe forever and ever and rule and reign with him. And he's not like it's good news. And and he's not looking for uh, you know, necessarily a servant even though we serve the Lord from love. But he is looking for companion Amen. And so, more is accomplished through intimate, surrendered rest than all the striving and begging in the world. 
Amen. As a matter of fact, I find the breakthrough comes whenever I start to rest. How many have noticed that? And some of you might actually think that you've earned the breakthrough by your sweating and your and your contending. And I would say, no, your prayers were answered. But but probably what happened is you got so tired of sweating and contending that you just gave up. You said, God, I can't do it. I give up. And he goes, fuck, I've been waiting for that. Now I can do something for you. And and uh, and he, you get what I'm saying? He hears the prayers. And I think we think I'm tired and I've earned it in my in my striving prayer. And the Lord's like, no, you just finally surrendered. And you finally handed it to me. And he loves us. He's fine with it. You know? But what I've found is I've just begun to pray, God, help me to get to surrender quicker. I think... I, I suspect that I can skip that whole wearing out process. You know, <laughs> fall on the rock and be broken unless it falls on you and grinds you to powder. You know, it's like there's that, there is that thing with God where you are going to, when you've committed your life to him, he is going to find surrender. He's going to have it some way because he loves us. And, uh, and so I pray, God, give me a grace just surrender to you because I actually think we've got like side note here but you know we've got whole teachings about process and that's good it's fine I just do think that my my view on process has become this all life is a journey but my view on process begin to shift a little bit because I've noticed that process ends when I surrender often and I'm thinking I have a feeling that that process was simply to bring me to surrender. And that the sooner I'd surrendered, the quicker the process would have been over. And we think it's about God working some kind of like character in us. But you know, it's not your character that's being tested, it's your faith. And faith looks like rest, surrendered rest. And so I'm like, true faith is, is surrender. And so, Amen. And, and so God is looking for people who get it, you know. And in Psalm 53, it says, God looks down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Now, New Testament reality is, is that we're not calling up to a God who sits way up in heaven. We're speaking with a God who is one with us. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And so, so I, it's important, you know, if we pray like there's a throne way up in the by the black holes and the and the, the stars up there somewhere in the universe. God's far away and and he's just got really good hearing. Um, he does have good hearing. But, you know, rest includes this idea that God is not far from me. He's actually inside of me. And so God is looking. But ultimately what you can take from Psalm 53 is that God is saying, I'm looking for people who understand who seek me. And what he is saying is, when he finds a people who set their gaze on him and live from that place of gazing first and then living, he says, there's a person who understands. You understand how life works. You understand how to live. You understand how this whole thing works. And so we're making a night for us to come together and just enjoy God together. To gaze on him. And to see what happens. And there may be nights where it turns into intercession. You know, sometimes uh, uh, 
Sometimes the groanings of prayer come on people. But I just tell you what, it's, the point of this night is to first look to Him and then allow Him to do what He wants to do. And we feel really strongly that actually this, this uh, night of the presence is going to be key to what God wants to do here at Mountain Chapel. Actually, Shelly had a dream last night. Didn't know I was going to be speaking on this. And um, Shelly had a dream last night. And uh, I won't recount her entire dream. Um, there was a lot to that dream. Significant for us. I thought it was the word of the Lord for us here at Mountain Chapel. But um, I, will, I will share this. I'm sure you don't mind, Shelly. Um, that uh, that uh, we were first, um, we were together experiencing God together. And there were all these people experiencing the touch of the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And then after that had been happening, all these assignments started to be given out. And I, and I said, that's interesting. That's exactly what I'm talking about today. Because what we often do is we try to get an assignment or a job before we've taken time to rest. And what happens is when we do that in our life, and you can apply this to your everyday life. Like how many just get up, you've got a lot to do, you hit the ground running and you go. You know, and then you end up burned out at some point. Man, I'm wiped out. You know what I've found is that when the schedule demands I hit the ground running and I say, no. I won't be driven by that. I'm going to actually lay on the ground for a little bit first. And I say, Lord, there's a lot of things that need to be done, but I know this. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need to be in your presence. I need to look in your face. I need to be filled with your spirit, and I need your word. I need your voice. That's what I really need. There's a lot of chores. You know, because here's the thing. In life... You're going to have to choose something that doesn't get done. So what's it going to be? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's it going to be for me? Like, you've got to choose something to wait. And, and what I find is that when He is first, everything else works. Everything else happens. There's time for it all. And I find this. I'm like, what's gonna, who's going to do that job? Who can do this? You know, I got all these things and I don't know how they're going to work out. But then when you, when you rest before him like Mary did, Martha was making, Bill says, Martha was making sandwiches Jesus didn't order. She's powerful, you know what I'm saying? And then she was mad at Mary because she wasn't helping her make those sandwiches that Jesus didn't order. And God bless Martha because she had a good heart. I think Martha takes a bad rap. But Martha wanted to serve. But Jesus said to Mary, he didn't say, Martha, you're blowing it. He said, Mary chose the best part. <laughs> and so um, God is calling us to intimacy. He's always calling us. And I just want to um, go over some notes here with you. The heart and the mindset of a lover is not this. What am I allowed? Or what can I get away with? And religion says... Uh, when, when making decisions about life, it, you know what, I think this is okay. No, and, and what's allowed? In other words, how far can I go? How much, how much personal liberties can I take in my life and sort of still be in? You get, get what I'm saying? And, and yet, and, and I would say, that's fine. Um, then there's a lot, most of the things that we ask, of like, that we're asking those questions, is this okay, is that okay? 
is this okay? You know, and most of the time, a lot of the time, I should say, the answer is, yes, it is okay. That is okay. But it may not be the best. And that's for us to choose. And, and you know, God will love us where we're at. And he will be as close to us as we will allow him to be. But I don't know about you, but I've really gotten to the place more and more in my life where I'm like, I don't just want you to bless my ideas. I want to do your ideas. I don't want my ideas. I want your ideas. And I want to do, and I don't want you to do what I'm doing. I want to find out what you're doing and do what you're doing already. Because I want the best. Because the heart of a lover, a bride, says, not what can I get away with, right? Sometimes we can, in our marriages, we can get to that point. Sometimes we can get relaxed where we're not, where we're not going deeper. Maybe we're not, oh, we get caught in the routines of life. And, and we can do that with the Lord or with our friends. We get caught in the routine of life and we're not bearing our souls and our hearts with one another, right? And, and, we're, and things are fine. Things are okay. And, um, but the heart of a lover that's alive and awake, it's, it's not what am I allowed. It's, it's, um, it's how can I best love you? What would please you the most, Lord? Amen? What would bring the most joy to your heart? And how could I glorify you the most? Amen. So in other words, when you, you know, if you're looking at a cliff, how close can I get to that cliff? Who cares? How far into the kingdom can I explore? I mean, when you're doing that, you forgot that there's a cliff. There's not even a cliff. So we're not passive consumers, but we're active responders and receivers. You know, consumer come, is that we come to church to consume. And, and actually, when we come to church, like, we, we do come to receive. And that's good. And if you've been worn out, come. Because when we come together, that is part of our gathering, that we come together. You know, each one has a song or a hymn or a spiritual song. And we minister to one another and we go out feeling all oiled up, don't we? We do, right? Amen? And, uh, and yet, um, but there's a greater purpose. It's to gaze on Him and to respond to Him. And so that I don't just come. I am a receiver, but I'm not a consumer. My role is not just to consume. You get what I'm saying? It, it's, it's like once I've tasted His love, something comes alive in me and says, how can I love you back? I want to love you back. And, um, so we're created to gaze upon experience and receive God uh, from God. But the point is, um, in, in, in our as we go forward, you guys understand, like, can you feel that, this one, one thing I want you to feel is that we're on a journey. How many feel that? We're, we're going somewhere together here. And so I, I was asking, I was maybe processing I'm just asking this question of myself, really, and thinking, like, I wonder, it's important, I think, I, I really want you to know that whatever, we're, whatever I'm teaching about here is not a random collection of messages. If you we're building something, we're going somewhere. And, uh, and so I, I just want to point that out. And, uh, and really, what we're looking for is who, who's running, who wants to run. And if you want to just come and receive, Come and receive. 
because there's always room for that. You know what I mean? And, and the truth is, too, is that sometimes you need a season in your life where you're allowed to just sit and receive. So I'm not even against that. And I've, and, and I've found a lot of people with a lot of religion, I don't, I'm not judging the people, but you know they've been they're carrying a lot of like working for God to please God in their life. I found those are the people that just need to lay on the carpet for a while and, and know that they're loved when they're laying on the carpet. Like, well, I could play drums. I could be worship. I could get, I know. I know you can. I totally know you can. I just, but God loves you even when you don't. So take it. Bam. And it, but, uh, but, but, you know, sometimes you just need a season to receive from the Lord. But, but what I'm saying is, first we receive, and then we move. And, um, and that's what this night is going to be about. Um, amen. Thanks, Shelly. Good work. See, worship, you guys, we come and we worship. Worship is more than songs. Worship is a heart and a life devoted to God. And, and the, the truth is, is that the life behind the song is what really makes the songs deep worship. And, the, and don't get me wrong, the song itself is also worship. You can have the worst week ever and you could have made, you could have blown it all week long. And this is the beauty of God. But you come in here and you go, or, or you don't even wait till Sunday. You, you just go to God and you say, Lord, I'm a wreck, but I'm going to worship you right now. If you need to be forgiven, just ask Him to forgive you. And He does. Quickly. Immediately. You go, oh Lord, forgive me. Ah, you're forgiven. And then worship. And this song is real when it comes from the heart. But worship comes from the heart. And worship is a lie. You're also worshiping when you're, you're just living your life. You don't have to be singing songs. Your life is worship. So... But there are depths of intimacy and depths of worship. And, and that's one of the things that this night is about, October 7th, in case you didn't catch it. Um, and it'll be every Sunday night. We're going to come together. And do you realize, how, whatever depths of God we've experienced, there's more. There's more of Him. And we're not talking about level Christianity. Like, I'm leveling up. I'm a, I'm a leveled up Christian. You know... It's not about status. It's not about, you know what I mean? It's not about elitism or some kind of hierarchy of of people that are more or less spiritual than each other. It's not about that. It's about the depths of intimacy that are available to us and that when we abide at deep levels, the supernatural power of God flows easily and ready from our lives. And then you walk, you can walk into a store and, and like uh, somebody can be stirred up and delivered right there in the moment and you didn't even realize because I had a guy growl at me at the pharmacy once. And I was just minding my own business. And uh, it was interesting, but I realized, oh, I, that season particularly, I was really, really close, I just, really drawing really near to the Lord. And um, and I realized that that nearness to God actually created an atmosphere that demons would be uncomfortable with. 
And this guy's like 25 feet away from me, and I'm standing there in line, not even looking at him. He goes, <laughs> I looked at him, and I was like, what's that about? And he, <laughs> and he just blurted off some nonsense. I don't know what it is. I thought maybe he was going to get delivered that day. And um, I, I, he might have. You know what happened was I, I, I thought, I'm going to get closer to him and see what happens. So I walked, I walked over to him, just engaged him in conversation. And the more I talked to him, he might have. Like, the, I, the more I talked to him, the more, like, the conversation started to make sense. It was really interesting. That's called the finger of God anointing. That's called the finger of God anointing. You can have that in your life. That you walk, you walk somewhere, you go somewhere, right? And it's like the anointing on your life has so much, like the light of God in you is so bright that that thing, because the enemy, he'd love to be worshipped. He knows he can't be for the most part. So he, he, he goes for the second best option, and that's to stay undercover, hidden, where he can work his nonsense. The light of God comes and exposes it. And, and, and an anointed believer gets around it, and it's like the finger of God says, What's that? And it goes, ah! It happened to Jesus all the time. It happened to Paul. More of that, Lord. So, you know, Paul said that all things are permissible, but not all constructive. And, I, you know, these verses can be used sort of like as exhortation preaching, right? I understand that with lifestyle, etc. But really what I feel in the heart of God for us today is that there has been a stirring of hunger in our midst. How many feel hungry? And I, let me give you a word on that, okay? Um, if, you, if you have a dissatisfaction stirring in your soul, it can even feel like frustration. Sometimes people mistake hunger for lack. A lot of Christians do. And they'll go, I just want God to... And they'll actually come and go, we just pray that I would just be more hungry for God. And I'm like... You're, you're already hungry for God or you wouldn't even ask me to pray that for you. You're, you are hungry for God. I like to point that out. Yeah, bless, and I don't pray for it. I'm like, bless that hunger, God. And, and so let me tell you this, that hunger is the first sign of a move of God in your life. Yeah, and it's, it maybe isn't the first step, but it is the first visible sign of a move of God in your life. I want to encourage you. The devil wants to put negativity on all these things. But you know what? He just doesn't count. The fact is, the moment you feel that groaning in your soul that says, I want more, or I want this to change, or I want to hear God, I want to see more, I want revival, guess what? You got revival right there in that moment. Come on, you can give the Lord a hand for that. So I, I felt to say that. Like I felt the anointing on that when I said that. That if you've got that going on, here's what I want you to do now. Here's what I encourage you to do. Instead of thinking, oh, I'm frustrated, begin to say, God, thank you for what you're doing in me. Because hunger is the sign of a revived soul. Souls that are alive to God are hungry for more. And lovers desire one another even though they have one another. You know what I'm saying? To desire God is to not, 
is not to say that he's far away. It's to say that you are in love. And you have unlimited, you have unlimited access to the one that you desire. And so that you're hungry for the one that you already are with. You ever have that feeling like you're with somebody you love, but then there's something inside of you that just says, it's the craziest thing. You know, it's like with my kids, you know, I'm like, I just want to like, I want to squeeze you somehow that maybe you'll just go, whoop, and we'll just be like, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't get any closer to them, but you want to. You guys know what I'm talking about? Hunger, Lord. And so... Paul said all things are permissible, not all constructive. And so I would say, what are we building? And I don't mean that we're building something with our, with our own hands, that we're constructing something to offer to God. But what we're doing is, see, it's more about fruit that we're bearing than structures that we're building. And here at Mountain Chapel, whatever structures we build, we're going to build them to host what God is doing. I don't want to build anything and ask Him to come. I don't want to build something and go, see what I made you? And He's like, that's, well, that's nice. You know, never, what am I going to do with that? You know, because unless the Lord is you, right? You know what I mean? I love it. I want to build you a house. Well, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house is He going to make for me? Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> all right, I'll let you make me one. That's God. But, <laughs> and so whatever we build going forward, you guys, as we're on this journey together, is um, it, it really is to host what it is that's in God's heart that He wants to do, you know. And, um, and we'll be looking for um, those that are highlighted, those who are, who are saying, hey, I, I'm in. Uh, I want I want a piece of this. I want to be in with what's got... And everybody's welcome, you know what I'm saying? But we're just... You get to choose at which pace you want to run. Let me just say that. And we are all on the same journey. Whatever pace you're running at, we're on the same journey. And so I just release you with freedom. And, and as God is moving in our midst, I also just say, comparing what God is doing with one uh, or another is irrelevant because I find that we're never really very good at judging those things. People, you know, when it comes to salvation, people that I think are going to get saved any day, you're still waiting. The guy you thought was the hardest, worst guy just surrenders in tears. All of a sudden, you're like, I guess I don't see hearts. That's the truth. I guess I just don't see anybody's heart, but God does. So would you stand with me? See, when God wants to do something, He begins to look around and He begins to say, here's what I want to do. Who will agree with me? And, and let me just tell you what this is like. Okay? When lightning strikes, they actually can... T- I was watching videos of this and pictures. They, they're, called, um, they're called streamers that go up from the earth. And it's, and it's actually a different color than the lightning. And so there's all this power in the heavens, right? 
And, and lightning is, is like a visual example of the fire of God, the lightning of God, the power of God. And, and what happens is this lightning is charged and it's moving. And then there's a streamer that goes up from the earth and it, re, it begins to reach up. I call that hunger. The earth, the earth is hungry for a move of God. And what happens is when, when they connect end to end, lightning hits the earth. Yeah, there's a spiritual analogy to that. That if let's just we're just streamers, you guys. That's what, we're not the lightning, right? We got the lightning in us. But but as far as like what God is doing in our midst, when we come together on these nights, we're like, let's just come together. Let's just glorify God. Let's just worship Him together. Let's let Him move. Let's let people be.